Welcome to another pint with Shawnee B coming to you from a cold, leaving, wintry North London home of my guest today. I'm excited to be talking to him. We've been trying to get this podcast off the ground on about three or four occasions. Mainly, it's fallen down because of both of our loves for Man United and uh, not not scheduling our time around games. I'm here interviewing Dave Buchanan, who is a legendary English advertising man who's recently retired after 37 years working in the business, which is 10 more years than I've done. And I'm I'm very certainly happy to be, get out. We'll hear, we'll hear whether he is or not. He's worked at some of the best agencies in, in England uh, and won awards all over the world for brands such as Marmite, Guinness, uh, a recent winner for Maltesers, which was excellent. And he also has a claim to fame of relaunching the Volkswagen Beetle, which if you're in advertising, you'll know that was a poison's chalice to have to pick up. And welcome to the programme, Dave Buchanan. How are you, sir? Very good, sir. Very good. Nice to be here. Nice of us to finally get it off the ground. Fine. third... A third attempt. Good things come to those who wait. There's a Guinness line already. We're going to talk a little bit about advertising with uh, Dave because both of us are recently out of the business. You just left BBDO. Yeah, just before Christmas really, yeah. After yeah, 12 yeah. years there. Yeah, good, a good yeah. old stint. The last big thing you did was for Maltesers, which is a lovely... That's day. right, yeah. Why don't you tell uh, people about what that was about? For, for disability really. I remember the guys coming to me and saying, um, there's this uh, competition for Channel 4. And uh, they want to, to follow up the superhumans, basically, as part of the, um, the Olympics. And they want to, uh, someone to take an existing campaign, but really talk about disability. And originally, to be honest, I thought, is that a good idea? Should we really be selling chocolate on the back of disability? Mm-hmm. Is that not a bit be very soft? careful. A bit tokenistic. And um, thank God they convinced me it was a good idea. Uh, I think the difficulty with it was, though, that um, when they say disability is where do you start? You know, it wasn't, wasn't sort of cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy, one particular facet of it that you could really drill into and understand. But it was like, it was such a broad canvas. Where did you start? Mm. And there's only so much you can learn from the internet. And uh, what I turned to find was, I thought, I'm struggling here, guys. I really don't know enough about everything. And uh, one of the girls, um, Abby Brown, brilliant, I mean, herself in a wheelchair, she's got sort of brittle bone condition. She said, why don't I get a few of my mates in and we'll have a chat, we'll sort of shoot the breeze a little bit and you can really get to understand how these guys work, mm. which is what we did, really. And we got a great session together, four or five people come in, all sort of different sort of like disabilities. And we sat down and generally just talked as, as you or I are doing at this minute. And what you tend to find was like, other than their disability, they're exactly the same. Exactly. They're me and you, but they're in a wheelchair. They're me and you, but they've got muscular dystrophy. Mm. They're me and you, they've got cerebral palsy. So we just talked about what we were talking about. We talked about football, we talked about going out, we talked about sex. Mm. And suddenly the barriers break down. And that was the intent, that was the intention of the campaign, really. Mm. And in fact, one of, the, one of the ads came directly from a story that a girl was telling me. And she, she had, again, she had this sort of, sort of muscular condition where basically her muscle didn't really work. And she's good looking, she had, she had a boyfriend. And she said, generally, we were having sex and getting really into it. And she dislocated both her oh, hips. God. But she's making the noise, ow, ow, I've dislocated yeah. my hips. And he's thinking, I'm doing a grand job here, <laughs> you know. And that ended up sort of, you know, working the way around it, but that ended up mm. on the ads, and that's, that's how it all sort of started, really. It was very well awarded, and there's a link to, I'll have a link at the, at the blurb of this podcast for those who haven't seen the work, and uh, also for the, ch- it was charity involved in it. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. If, you, if you want to get it. It was the charity. 
We're not going to spend a huge amount of time talking about advertising, yeah. uh, but one of the things I did want to touch with you on is just the, what you've noticed happening, particularly over the last 15, maybe 20 years, yeah. in what I would call the collapse of creativity, the rise of safety, the lowest common denominator, the, the overthink, the overuse of research, which was around in the 80s when it we was, started. But you're leaving AMV BBDO, which was for a generation probably the greatest ad agency in, in London. Just this process of killing fun, killing the way advertising sort of was done in, in, in an effort to drive to efficiency. Give me just some of your observations. Well, I, I, I think first of all... The guys retired recently from the business. First of all, the only thing I miss is the people. Yeah. The people, I mean, good I was blessed with you to only ever work at great agencies from, from day one. And you used the word that fun, you said. And, it used to be fun. Yeah. It genuinely did. I mean, I also say, what's it like working advertising? So it's the same as being at art college because you come up with that is, but you get paid for it. And somewhere along the line, that fun got eroded away and suddenly it became a business and fear set in and panic and yeah. you've got to do this and the mandates grew, you know, and then research took over. And suddenly you just felt as if you'd becoming part of an, an ad factory, if you like. I mean, the precious thing is ideas. I always love ideas. The most important thing. And for some reason, certainly in the recent, in the recent philosophy years, there's been scant disregard for them. Yeah. They're, they're very disposable somehow. You well, know, I said oh, do, recently, do another one, do another one. You know, the world awaits every year, or the Brit, certainly Britain waits every year for the John Lewis commercials. That's the only thing. And they're all right. They're not yeah. amazing. But, you know, that's the only real one that people wait for that is newsworthy. You don't see stuff on television anymore like you used to. It's like, that's no. great. I wish I'd done that. Well, it's, it's funny. One, I remember saying to someone not that long ago, really, did you miss it? And I said, not, not at all, really. And I said, the reason being, I went into it in the first place when I was at college because people at the time, like this was the late 70s, early 80s, people used to say then that... that the ads were better than the programmes yeah. that were on the TV. In many cases they were. And, and you look forward to them, mm -hmm. you know. And nowadays, people actively pay not to watch ads. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll subscribe to Netflix, no ads. Yeah. I'll block them on my phone. Yeah. Don't want to see them. I mean, technology is great up to a point, but I mean, honestly, when I was, I took my lad to um, to Lisbon for, for football. Went to yeah. Benfica game. So I was looking at hotels in Lisbon. Yeah. I'm still getting bing. Why am I telling Lisbon? No, I'm bing. Yeah. I, I remember putting something when I was living in America on my, I, I bought a new set of car tires. And for the next 18 months, I was bombarded with car tires. With car tires? I've got the tires now, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> thanks very <laughs> much. Well, if they were clever, they'd bombard me four years later. Yeah, I think if you, if you worked here yeah, yeah. and you got yeah. a lifespan off, then that's yeah. clever. Yeah. So, so I don't know what it is. I, th I think also, I do, I do worry for the guys in it now in the fact that a lot of them are getting bled to death, basically. Yeah. The, the, the demands on the creative department now, certainly the one I left, you know, I love them to bits, and they were just getting battered. It was yeah. like, there seems to be not enough such, not enough time to do anything yeah. properly. Yeah. Technology is partly to blame that because yeah. everything can be done faster. Yeah. Everything's wanted now. And plus in the, in the new age of the social media and God knows what with the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams, they yeah. want all the colors and all the sizes instantly. Yeah. And what gets sacrificed is no thinking time. I had done I had done some writing maybe 15, 20 years ago when I was in Australia about what the future of technology would hold around the time HD was coming out, like you know, before yeah, 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 the internet, yeah. before 
Google. I was making, you know, you're making predictions as a futures, which is a funny business to be in now because any futures, you can just go, oh, what did he say about last year? <laughs> you call up. Any minute now, on his Yeah. Telephone, <laughs> but telephone. I, I found some of the articles. And one of the things I did predict, which hasn't done, I don't think is going to happen, I did predict there might be a creative renaissance because I felt that with this thing you talked about, about shutting out advertisers or excommunicating them, as I called it, because their work is so shit and demeaning yeah. and kind of treats me like an imbecile. That that could take hold to the point where, you know, if we both follow football, if Gillette suddenly got voted off my where I watch my football yeah. as an advertiser, then Gillette would go to BBDO or Gray, wherever the hell they are now, and say, this is not good enough, our work needs to be more creative. It hasn't happened. And I thought that that was the only chink that I could have seen where it might have come Well, no, out. I mean, but the, th- the thing is, I mean, obviously people would say, oh, okay, but that's the creative challenge to get around that. Yeah. But the problem, you know, all along is, is everything's too safe now. Everything's so mm-hmm. generic. Everything's global. I mean, I mean, I was working on a salty snack brand recently yeah. and it was like, well, that doesn't work in Turkey or Canada. That mm. doesn't work in Mexico. That doesn't work in South America. Well, what does work then? And it's a picture of the pack. <laughs> in the end, and even, and even, it's called something else. Know, and even in the end, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it's, it's got a different name in that country, yeah. and the actual product's different in that country. Yeah. So, where, where do you go? It's an interesting you know, analysis of different. globalization, though, you know. And, it's like, and, and on the other hand, you know, when you look at the, the careers that we were in, and you look over your shoulder and you see technology. And you see all the stuff that's happening at breakneck speed, which yes. is going unchecked. Yeah. But but you know you, you see some. I don't know whether you've seen that TV series Westworld that came out, which is um, a whole theme park full of robots that look like humans that you can just yeah. go there. Oh, and well, shoot. I, I remember I remember the film with Yul Brynner. That's yeah, I yeah, yeah. I yeah. That, that is exactly. You see, the danger is there's artificial intelligence. It's great up to a point. Yeah. But there's nothing like being able to speak to someone in their own language on their own terms, yeah. rather than you know, try, try and one homogenous piece of work that is pretty much ineffective yeah. in every country that it runs in, mm. although seemingly cost-effective to the client. Yeah. Well, the yeah. algorithm world is more about did the thing get to the place rather than what the message was? And exactly. what did the person who got it think? And what, you know, and I, there's brands out there that just annoy well, that, the shit out of me. Like, well, that's oh, why it's a, it's, it's a click. They yeah. don't want a click now, basically. Yeah. I was reading somewhere quite recently, they're saying that, you know, is data the new oil? God, I don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't mean anything. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, what you think about the future of the world later towards the end. But what, go back just to get some feeling from where you came from. You, you're Mank born, because I know you follow Mank. Yeah. Money and Outbound. Before we pressed... Uh, before we press record, you, uh, you, you, I was asking if Buchanan was a Scottish name, so you had a little story. It is, for, it is a Scottish name, your, yeah, what, what were your origins and where were you brought Well, basically, oh God, uh, well, basically, Buchanan comes from uh, my great-grandfather, who was a butcher in Motherwell. Got my own tartan, which is a bit garish, uh, but I'm very proud of that. But to be honest, um, I'm more Irish than anything, because oh, yeah, my yeah. mum's from, uh, well, God bless rest of so, she was from County Mayo. Okay. What was her surname? She, she was a she was a Monolly. Uh, I'm from Malina in County yeah. Mayo. Learned to swim in Lockcom. Wow. Also got some terrible skin. Wild out there, right? Oh, absolutely. I've also got some terrible skin rash because the cattle also swim in that particular uh, lake, you know. Yeah. She came over in the in the fifties uh, to work as a nurse in Manchester. Met me dad, who was an engineer and fitted at ICI, and uh, I popped out in about nine fifty five sometime, you know. 
good Catholic upbringing, you know. Yeah, same. You know, yeah. absolutely. You know, <laughs> Saturday As I say, I no longer believe in the teachings of Cathol, but... Uh, well, yes. not basically. I put myself down as an RC, more of a retired Catholic than a Roman Catholic, you know. Was Manchester, you know, in the, in the, in the 60s, uh, fun? Was it fun growing up there? Did you have a well, happy Well, I, I, I remember having a great time. You know, generally having a great time. You'd go, you'd go out with me mates or we'd run on the bike and that. And the thing is, it was safe because there were no cars. I genuinely yeah. remember one, one morning going, what are we going to do now? Obviously, you know, pre-PlayStation, and none of that, yeah. you know, we had to think of something to do. And honestly, I remember going out and we went car spotting. Brilliant. Jesus, you wouldn't do that. Because, oh, there's <laughs> a car. And you go down and write, oh, there's a train spotting. Yeah, amazing. So it was, it was like, but it's anyway, I was literally brought up in a two up, two down house with a backyard, outside toilet. I tell, them, I tell my boys today, and this, you know, I'd, I'd nip out to the loo right, and they said, what's he doing? I was going to... And you, you, genuinely, you had to take a candle. This sounds yeah. like a dark game, but this is... This spiders. Is the, and I, I found this great game where you could singe the legs on a spider with a candle. <laughs> I was gone for like, well, he's still in that toilet. What's he doing in there? You know. But no, it, was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I was really happy childhood. And again... So would you have been... Even with, with that sort of setup, was that would have still been middle class? Would it have upper... Oh, upper, no, no. Lower, no. lower middle class? Oh, listen, listen. We, we were like... We, we, we weren't even on the council list. We rented our house right. from Mr. Horsley, who came round and collected the rent every other right. Thursday. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we got on the council when I was about 14, you know, and he's like, yeah, we're on the, finally we're in a council house. Yeah, yeah. Inside toilet, you know, yeah. that sort of, it was quite, and it, but, but it was sort of, because everyone else was like that, you know, Our Lady of Grace, Roman Catholic School for Boys and Girls, yeah. pretty much were all the same. We were very, very working class Irish immigrant, you know, got his dad sort of background. And talk know. about the love of football. Well, the first, well, basically, that's, what day were you? It's tomorrow, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the 60th anniversary of the Munich mm. air crash. I'd have been obviously not aware. I was two and a half at the time when yeah. that happened. But I remember starting school when I was four. The first question you got asked by these 11-year-olds who towered above you. Red or blue. Who do you support? And at the time, basically, even though the part of Manchester, but the bit of Manchester was next to Salford. So it's a very red area anyway, right? Yeah. And, you know, you cop on very quickly. Basically, if you said Man United, you got a game of football. If you said Man City, you got a slap. No. I'm Man United. Yeah. Since the age of four. Because there was a kind of Catholic element to Man United. With, with Matt yeah, Busby. With Matt Busby. You know, yeah. I mean, Matt Busby used to go to um, the Irish club that I used to go yeah. to. You know, when I was old enough to drink that, of course, you know. Yeah. But so it was, it was a massive influence on my life. Because basically, For those listening who don't know anything about the history of Man United, uh, what Dave was referring to was that in 1958, in February, coming back from a European tie in Germany, um, their plane was uh, crashed on a snowy runway and uh, the team was decimated and some journalists and the club had to rebuild from scratch and the, the, the manager, Matt Busby, almost died but didn't. And he built a, a team from youths of the team and they became known as the Busby Babes. Suddenly there was George Best and a whole pile of others in the 60s and they won the European Cup. So there's a very rich heritage and I'm a Manchester United fan as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm just love to hear your thoughts as a pure man about where the football world has gone as you've, as you've grown with it over the years. No. Well, like your first memories would have been that best love. Oh, listen, the, 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 it's, it's almost what my one regret I wasn't that much of because basically I was brought up on best law and charter. Yeah. And the thing with that is, it's like you've got three European footballers of the year yeah. in the same team at the same time. I think it's happened once since with Milan, I think, when they had okay. Cliver, Van Basten and Hullet, right, right. I think yeah. it was, you know. But I thought it was normal. <laughs> Watching this young 22-year-old George skip past people yeah. like, you know, keep you up from now. 
I think I'm thinking that's not yeah. the hard thing was we, we played football for the school on a Saturday morning. Yeah, were you handy? Oh, I got as far as Manchester United. Yeah, like, no, I played for North Manchester in the end. Winger to centre forward, okay, and then my knees were at 16. Cruciate ligament in the time they couldn't fix it. So you, were you possibly? No, I mean, the, the possible thing, maybe. The, the thing is, you could have played for Preston. Rochdale <laughs> don't know what they missed. Now the thing is, it's funny is you, you never quite know. The ladder was my winger for that for those five years. Went on played played for Bolton and for Man City. Played for the Republic a couple of times. Guy called Mike Walsh. Mike Walsh, yeah, yeah. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And I yeah. played. We played on the same team as him for yeah. for five years. And it was funny. It was interesting because I remember saw there was I was on holiday and there was a mate of mine and he was saying that he's reading. Um, he's doing business studies. He's reading Richard Branson's book and apparently Richard Branson was a quite a tasty footballer. Was he? I didn't know. That. And had a serious knee injury. Yeah. So because he couldn't play football, he ends up doing a student magazine and the rest as they say. Well, now you see my virginity book. That Richard Branson's a prick because he's so good at everything. But he he. Uh, there's a story in it where he was on a boat, a yacht, when he was about 19 or 20, and he just yeah. set up the magazine. And he was out, and they were out, and a big, huge storm brewed up. They were like a mile or two from the shore, and the, the, the whole thing started going to the point where yeah. the boat was going to go over. And Branson said to his girlfriend, we're going to go and swim for it. And the captain said, no, you stay on the boat. That's the way. He says, fuck, this boat's going down. I'm, and it's drifting further out to sea. We're going to swim for it. And he jumped overboard and swam for it and got to shore, and the boat sank, and everyone died in it. See, that was his stuff, you see. But that, well, that thing was, it was a crossroads moment, because I'm thinking, like, you know, if Rick Branson hadn't done his knee went to, and went on to be a footballer, yeah. we wouldn't have the Virgin Empire. You know, it's, it's, it's a crossroad yeah. moment, you know. But no, football football was a massive part of my life, you know. That's why I haven't got any knees left, basically. Yeah. I've got no cartilage in either knee now because of all the football. I'm, getting, yeah. I'm paying the bill now, but I think what, what changed the football a hell of a lot was after, after Hillsborough, obviously, we went to All Caesar Stadium. That standing together on the terrace... There was nothing like it. You know, even the Stratford MRI stood for, for God knows how many before they turned into seats. That's where the atmosphere has gone, I think, mm. a little bit, you know. And I think that, that's the big change. And obviously, the prawn sandwiches that, that, that Roy Keane famously yeah. quoted. But also the racism as well, which we're talking not long after Cyril Regis has passed oh. away. Did you not? You know, well, listen, I, it, what was quite strange is I remember looking, I mean, one of the greatest games I ever saw at Old Trafford Nats is when West Brom came to beat Man United and they beat 5 3. And it was quite a snowy day. It was great. I was there. And I thought, what I'll do, I'll have a look and see what it's like. I remember there's a crack, some cracking goals in there. Mm. And Joe Simsar, I think, was the commentator then. And I couldn't believe it, but they were booing Laurie Cunningham on this more booing of the black place. And honestly, I don't recollect that at all. Mm. But that was obviously the norm. And and even at the end of the game, which is quite astonishing, they they, they decided that they couldn't name a man of the match. So they thought, they'll ask their managers. And Ron Atkinson, God bless him, he put his foot in it. He says, well, I'd have to give it to one of our coloured players. One of the black lads up front would have to get it. I'm thinking like, you couldn't say mm-hmm. that now. So well, Larry Sonning ends up playing for Maynard. He did, he certainly Moses, did. who was on that team that day. And Absolutely. I remember when uh, Chelsea used to have league tables in the sheds that any black player who scored for Chelsea, for Chelsea or yeah. against them, didn't yeah. count. And well, Everton fans throwing bananas at players when they're taking well, a corner. You know, I mean, well, it, 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 you know, the way I look at it and having lived in America for eight years where there's still this huge racism is you, you either know that you're meaning to be hurtful yes uh, with your words or you are yes. not and sometimes there is a grey area where you don't mean to be hurtful and you're not a hurtful type exactly. of person but someone has been hurt by yeah. your words and you got to be careful a good example is the C word which I use all the time a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of women do genuinely get extremely offended by it, mm. which I think is 
I, I'm bizarre and I don't agree with it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't go using the C word in front of my mother and no, in front of people who would get offended. Well, basically, again, and I think as well with the, with the football, <sighs> you know, I mean, you know, people say, well, they put children will hear that. So, look, kids go to football. I, I was a kid yeah, yeah. when a football and you will hear what they call industrial language at a yeah, football match. Yeah, yeah. You, you just you just will. Yeah. You know, so I'm not sure how you get around that. It's not. It's difficult to make a judgment on it, but you know, the world. I used to do comedy when I was a kid, and it's, mm. it's like the, when you start going after the jester and the comedian, and you start saying you can't do, you can't do, you can't do, you can't do. It's like it's a bit like what you were saying about the Maltese. It's like what what is the line of disability? Yeah, when have you, you crossed? Know? It? When have you crossed the line? Like you can't do rape jokes. Can you do dead baby jokes? Because people yeah. might have lost a child in the thing, or. You know, can you do leprosy jokes? Because we don't really have leprosy anymore. And is that funny anymore? Because we, you know, every piece of comedy, pretty much, is laughing at someone's misfortune. Someone needs to be the butt of the joke. And and then you go, well, okay. Also, the court jester usually ends up getting his head hacked off yes. because he oversteps the bar. The king suddenly <laughs> Even, finds that one wasn't funny. You can't this say head, that. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. So, so to, tell me just now, you know. We're, we're on, we've gone football and we've got the advertising thing and now we've got this political correctness that we're feel, fielding oh around God. now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the world today is, you know, we, we talked about football has changed and how advertising has changed and now how, you know, what you can and can't say you've got to be careful for. Mm. Do you have any hopeful things about where we're well, at? It's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, the thing is, it's always very easy to say, well, I preferred it in my day. I and mean, I'm, you know, I'm the guy who's still sort of like, you know, bemoaning the demise of the spinning jenny in the loom, you know what I mean? Like, the good old, you know, like, you knew where yeah. you were with a loom, you know. Any colour as long as it's black. Absolutely, you know. And I've, I've, I've got two teenage boys, yeah. you know, and, and they're, they're about to set off into the world. What, what scares me, I think, is, is, the, is this technology. And where it's going to go, yeah. and what you can do with it, because we've never had more access to more stuff ever. Yeah. You know, we've had talks from the school saying, "Look, well, you know, I know your son's only only thirteen, but we, you know, he's been watching pornography because they all have." And then it's what sort of pornography? I mean, you know, yeah. and you know, and even this. Um, oh, without getting onto pedophilia and stuff, but basically, yeah. pre-internet, yeah. how did you know that someone in Bolton or Leicester or was a pedophile? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it gives them a sort of a forum, if you like, mm, to yeah. get together. Yeah. They couldn't do that before, yeah. you know, because you didn't broadcast it. And yeah. like-minded paedophiles, yeah. please contact on this yeah. number, couldn't do it. And, it, and it's, it, that's, that's the thing that scares me more than anything. Yeah. And I think the thing is, I'm, I'm really turn optimist or something. And, and I think that's the main thing. because well, The unchecked like, nature of it. I'm trying to think of examples, but, you know, something gets done that people don't question it and it happens and we all go, yes, but we have to do that. Yeah. And then five years later, we go, oh, that was not a good idea, right? Yeah. I don't know, there's roads built or there's bridges that don't have the yeah, right yeah. sides for trucks that are being made in yeah. Sweden, which happened in Dublin. There's also this kind of evil Bond villain kind of element to this where there could be people developing stuff that are just fucking going to be used for extreme repression of the human race. Oh, listen, Ozymandias, well, you know? This, like, this, this, is, this, is the, this is my fear in a way, because I don't know. I mean, we, we know we've seen, you know, what, YouTube's 12 years old, is it? Yeah. iPhone's how old? Yes, you 2008 know? was iPhone. Oh, totally yeah. fine. But there's this thing where, I remember, remember my mum was telling me the, um, his dad got asked to uh, set up a company, ex-military guy, and he's with four of us, and he said, the stuff is just going to chuck away now. Why don't we utilise it? And he oh, no, I've just had a couple of young kids. I've got a steady job now. Mm. I'm not really in the position to, um, you know, to, to put myself at risk, basically. 
okay, well, we'll set it up anyway, but all the things. And they set up Vodafone, right? And he's thinking, that was his, you know, really? fifth Beatle moment, like, yeah. oh. But basically, what that was, that was redundant technology. So now we'll, we'll give it to the masses so they can ring each other sort of like remotely wherever they are. Mm. What are they doing now? What's out there now that we don't know about? Mm. I mean, if probably some satellite could listen in to what me, me you or I say. Well, they are. Hello, Russia, uh, if you're listening. Yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah. looking very optimistic. And it's exactly. only being translated, as we speak. This is it, you see. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's like there's stuff out there now. Mm. I mean, see those heat-seeking missiles and what's all that about? Yeah. We've gone so far into the conversation, we haven't even mentioned Brexit and Trump and all that kind of stuff, oh which are almost like poster children for it. The funny thing about it is that the, having lived eight years in America, the inherent racism, I spotted and I could see it uh, very close to service, not just in Texas where I live, which yeah. is very racist. And gunny oh, some states, yeah. And it's very overt. There's a lot of covert stuff. And when, you know, there's a, there's a very good theory that says, a huge part of Trump's success and being elected is he's just a re- reaction to a black president, to having had a black president. Places like Boston and Massachusetts, where they all pretend to be very kind of cool and liberal, there's a huge underlying racism throughout the country that's starting to bubble to the surface again. I know from my black friends who yeah. keep who've been saying this, yeah. almost to the point of being, ah, it's not too bad, you're getting on okay. But they've been saying it even you know through the last 20 years. Well, I, I, I are now kind of going, told you so. I yeah. had a mate of mine, not recent, not too recent. It was in, it was in West Virginia, I think it was. It was in a bar, a very white bar, and they were watching the um, basket or something in that. And uh, he said, "What's the date?" Oh, it's Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Oh, okay, and you get a day off. And then the guy said to him, "Strip poker face. Shame they didn't shoot another six of those N words. Yeah. We could have had the whole week off yeah. without yeah. a trace of irony." Yeah. And suddenly he said, he said, I went cold. Because, mm. you know, you hear it, but yeah. to, phys- to actually physically experience that, you no, know, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite scary yeah. still, you know. I mean, it, the shithole countries remarked from Trump a few months ago. I went on my Facebook and said, I'm glad not to be living in the biggest shithole country of the world, which I believe is America, because I think it should be doing so much better and is, you know. is rotting a, a little bit. Your views are, so you were in, you, you, you were in school what, following Man United in the 60s. You went to college then, did you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the worst that was started, basically, because I knew I was good at, I liked art and I liked English, basically, so I knew he was going to end up one of the two. So you, yeah. look, at the, you look at the perspectives at universities, and, and now I know why on university designers are reading English. Because that's here's the books you're going to read. I said, I don't want to. I want to write. I don't want to yeah, read. I want yeah. to write. So you see, I think you need a grounding. He used to say that, that Picasso, all this abstract sort of stuff, yeah. was just like oh, anyone could do that. Yeah. And he was saying like there were things like some of these abstract portraits of people, and they were saying like take that pro- that one line of profile that's in that before it went all sort of like blue grid three D thing. That is someone's identical profile. What it does, it gives you a grounding. Yeah. But. With that foundation, then you build your own sum of it. Otherwise, you're just recycling. Yeah. Where's your free spirit? Oh, so how did you find college when you got Were you in Manchester College? I Manchester. Well, basically, the, the polytechnics were great yeah. because they were, well, you did it, you actually physically did it. So I basically, I went to Manchester, loved it, did a, did a foundation course for mm-hmm. a year, uh, ended up specialising in graphic design, and that itself was split into four categories. And I was abysmal at three of it. You know, you know <laughs> I made a huge mistake here, but... Because I want to fancy myself as an illustrator, and then because when you're at, when so you could school, draw as well, though. Yeah, you could draw, yeah. yeah. That's great. When you but when you're at school, there's four people in the art class. Mm. You know, when you when you're full of like, for, God, he's good, she's good, my, I'm not. Okay, yeah. forget the illustration bits of it. I love I love good photography, a bit of a bash. Too technical. 
Something, photography not for me, yeah. you know. Then we did general design, which was like, honestly, three days of drawing. You'd spend three days drawing a straight line. And what did it for me completely, I thought I'm leaving the course, I made a huge mistake. We got a brief for um, to design a de-icer, a de-icer cam. Yeah. And a lot of the guys just went straight up into the type room, first bit of type, look at that, a bit of slip off you go, done. And I'm thinking, no, 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 but you, it's not, it's not, it's not an idea, it needs an idea, it needs an idea. So I, I designed my own can whereby you could read de-icer wherever it was on the can, but also the D was frozen, it started to defrost until you got to the R, Great. not frozen. So look, de-icer, so as you, it's got an idea, right? Yeah. And on the Monday I went in and it, the, the tutor held this up, held it up like he's, like he's got dumb shit on his shoe. Who is responsible for this? No. I don't me. Do not, and it, it's crumbling up and chucked in the bin. He said, this is the sort of stuff I want to look at. And it was just beautifully presented with a bit of laminate around it, like all nicely painted up. Yeah. I said, yeah, but that, that's as DI on the shelf. Yeah. You, you don't know what it is. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Pot's not got an idea. But stuff like this now, you're starting to go, actually, you know, is this where advertising is starting to raise Well, its... this is what it was. And the last term... It's a very advertising solution. Yeah, this is, this is the first year. And the last term was advertising. And I'm thinking, oh, hang on. And I was, I was on my way out. I mean, they're either going to kick me out or I'm going to walk. And they said, well, okay, what, the, what this is, is based on the time. It's, it's, it's words and pictures. Ooh, mm. I like English, I like art. And you get the idea. And then in the real world, someone else finishes you off. I'm thinking, that's perfect. Yes, and from bottom of the class... So I was it was that late that you kind of came to it? it honestly, it was, it was a process of elimination. It really was. <laughs> it really, really was. It really was. And it almost saved my bag. And I thought, this is good. So I'll do two years of that. And what was what was fantastic about the course, whereas all the other facets of the course, they were more academically designed to get good grades. Yeah. And then when he finished your degree, what do we do now? I don't know. This sent you down to London. Right. And we did a tour of all the agencies and yeah. you walk around. And I honestly, at the end of the week, I'm thinking... God, do we have to drink every lunchtime? <laughs> I'm not sure I can do this. Wait, it's you know. drawing pictures, writing, and drinking, I, I, I'm and go it, And I can't, you know, because I'm just like, I'm losing, I must have a beer. I have, I have a sniff of a drink at lunchtime. I either have to carry on or yeah, I'm asleep. I'm the same. So you either, you either yeah. in for the penny yeah. or you don't. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and what was brilliant about that, and this why you get the placement. I mean, and, and this is the huge sort of about change before in the industry. Nowadays, guys to get a placement, in yeah. an agency now to get some work experience. Internships. Or oh my God, yeah. you have to, you know, you have to run the gauntlet, you have to yeah. a year to get in. I know on. somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and then they have to work for something and then see you later by and all that. Quite recently, I was, one of the, one of the sort of last things I was doing at AMB, I was, I was overlooking, uh, overseeing some stuff for Rosie Allen. Actually, yeah. she was an holiday. She's an ex, ex-guest on the point of Absolutely, 20. yeah, lovely Rosie. And uh, it was um, an M&M's brief, basically. So they said, what we'll do, we'll give it to all our Placement teams or hats, you think they call them. A lot of them they seem to come from privileged backgrounds. Yeah, plenty of money. Yeah. There's, there's no hunger as they used to be. I remember they give you a lip. Oh, listen, basically, they think they know it because they've yeah. been on, been on yeah. the course. Some of these guys, I'm not sure that they're bothered. Yeah. They'll do something else. Your mum has got somewhere. And one of the guys, it was an M&M's brief, right? And it was an M&M's brief to do, I think it was a World Cup. And, and they had a couple of days on it. Okay, give us your first thoughts and load on. One, one guy, a French guy, I'm not going to do the accent, forget that. <laughs> Uh, and he basically says, so um, so we have uh, we have red M&M and we have yellow M&M and, and they're in a big luscious house because they've they've won. Okay, yeah. And then something funny happens. Quite what that is, I don't know. And I'm going, you were like, what? <laughs> well, and something funny happens. His pants fall down. And I'm thinking this, you're, sorry, Matt, are you trying to get a job here yeah. or not? 
you know, and if, if that had happened with Dave Trot, I mean, honestly, yeah. he'd, he'd have been out quicker than he could have, you know. But it, you know, it's, it's hard not to be kids these days about this. But like I, when I was working as a strategy guy in Asia and Australia, hmm. I used to get a lot of my friends, oh, Sean, will you have a chat with my daughter? She wants to get into advertising. Will you meet up? Yeah. I used to, because I was that guy. And it was also hard sometimes. There were a lot of pricks in charge as well who wouldn't take people in. Yeah. And I always, I always said, you know, I remember being that guy and I would always make time to meet, meet these people. So half of them were coming in and they were like, you just said, they were, you know, bell ends who didn't know one end of a pencil from another. But so I ended up coming with this idea. I, I picked up uh, five books, which were, you know, Where the Suckers Moon, uh, Ogilvy on Advertising, Blink, Wonderful Folks Who Gave You Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And, brilliant. and um and uh, the, a planning book by John Steele. So to everybody, even if it was my sister, you've got to read those five books and do me a two-page precy on each mm. one. Come back to me with 10 pages. And if they're good and you can organize your thinking and I, they're, they're interesting yeah. to me, I will not only meet with you, I'll get you a job in advertising. Right? Fantastic. Yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah. I said. Yeah. So I was trying to separate wheat from chaff. So I gave it out about 500 times, I was about... Sixty times over five years, yeah. not one person did it, and this was when the internet was suddenly. I thought people could cop it, so I, I, one person did it. Hello, Molly Hill, if you're listening, and one other person, yeah. a, a Canadian guy, did it, uh, Keaton, and nobody else did. But as soon as they did it, I was able to ring the head of planning and Jay and say, go. "Hire this person or get that person yeah. a job," and they all did because well, they, they, they listened to that story. They, 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 that's because they wanted it. Yeah. You know, and that's the only way it's back to, you know, to go back to Alex Ferguson and his... And his yes. How do you win year after year? Because of hunger. Hunger. And, you, and also, back to your college thing, you it's have to read some foundation. Yeah. You need something yeah, yeah. in which to build on. Last question before you go. What would you say to your uh, to your, your younger self knocking about Manchester? Just looking back, one of the things I try and do here is is get my guests to sort of pass on some wisdom back to... Uh, I tell you what I'd say don't play in that game that you played in (laughs) I wouldn't play in that I mean it's tricky because the thing is because it's such a different it's such a different world I'm I'm talking about when I left college in God 1978 I mean that's a long time ago I mean that was it was such an exciting time because Bill Punk had just got exploded Mm. we couldn't bury the dead the bins weren't being taken up there was a winter discontent all that Um, very different so so the bright lights of London were hugely attractive to me mm. then, you know. Mm. But now I think I think the trick is you can spread your wings as far as you want now. Yeah. Everything's so much more accessible. The world is accessible now. You know, I, I ventured two hundred miles down the motorway. You know, I think I'd probably so go further afield. Go further afield and have a bloody good look round. But the thing is, as well, you see, because of my addiction to Man United, because I, I I didn't miss a home game for. 14, 15 years. Really? Uh, everything. Friendly yeah. as a whole shoot match. Yeah. And I remember working on my portfolio to get into advertising in 1980 on a Saturday and we played Tottenham at home and it was the first game I'd missed. I missed two at all because my mum kept me off because I didn't do my Latin homework twice. But since 1967 pretty much and I remember feeling really weird. Almost at the point like on the car kickoff because I'm not there. And I think what that did, that almost inhibited me because it was my drug, basically, like I'm yeah. home and away the whole shoot match. Whereas now, you've got more chance of seeing every game not in this country. Mm. So I'm thinking if that technology was, that technology was, was around then. Yeah. Like, you can see more in Ireland than you can here. I was going to say, you can watch, you know, I'm going to go to New York. I'm meeting the bar, my mate on Bleaker Street at 7.30 and watch a game. Yeah, I used to do that. No, you no. know. What's your favourite Man United game? 
Favourite Monday night again? Really, I mean, favourite three minutes. A European Cup. Easy, final. easy, yeah, yeah absolutely. Shit game though. That was a rubbish game, well, but I, I do, I do remember being at that game thinking, and I, I went, to, went around Europe that year. It was bizarre. Some people used to genuinely think that I had in my contract at BMPDDB at the time. I was allowed to take any time off when there was a United game in Europe. And they yeah. thought it was in my guy, wasn't it? But it, it, it might as well have been. And I remember thinking, what a glorious run! I went to all the games in Europe that year. Wow. And thinking, well, it wasn't to be. It was Matt Busby's. It would have been Matt Busby's 90th birthday. Yeah. And I remember looking up to the stars in the in the camp near, thinking, wow, that was a blast! What a great run! Yeah. And I looked down, and Peter Schmeichel was running up for the goal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm getting tingles thinking, thinking yeah. about that. That's what the best thing, but the best... Sharing them and then still scoring. Oh. Yeah. I went for a piss after the equaliser went in and I was peeing and I was saying to myself, because it was, six, it was six in the morning in Sydney. Yeah. Oh, That's Christ. where I was. Yeah. It's one of those, you remember where you yeah, were, yeah, you were yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. And I remember as I was mid-pissing, you know what United would just go and do now? It'd be just like them to the next thing the lads in the room went, ah, you know, they're they come running in. <laughs> well, there, was, there were some of the guys who were watching it in the, in the, in the pub in, in London. They were, so, they were so drunk, basically, when the second goal in, they yeah. thought it was a replay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think, I think the, best, the best game by far was the Man United Arsenal 1999 semi final replay oh, at Villa Park. The Giggs goal. The Giggs yeah, goal. That was a the reason that everything. The reason being that if it wasn't for that, there would have been no trouble. And if you're a Hollywood screenwriter, you're like, okay, right, so it's the two heavyweights go head to head, right? Beckham scores a goal. Then Burkamp equalises, deflected off the Epstein, yeah. okay, one more. Then the captain gets sent off. Then Arsenal score a goal. They've all gone completely mad. The fans on the bits, they don't realise that the yeah. linesman's got his flag up, it's Correct. offside. And then in, in a time added on, Ray, Ray Powell gets brought down by Phil Neville, That's right? right? It's a penalty. Yeah. Dennis Burkamp said they're one kick away from the final. Yeah. Schmeichel saves. Yeah. Extra time, the 10 men take on the 11. Yeah. Then Giga scores goal of the season. Yeah. Goal of the century. Goal of the century. Yeah. So you would probably maybe say to yourself, to your younger self, set up an AMV in Manchester. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know what I did there. I thought, what I'll do, I'll design my perfect city. And I said, I know what it would be. And you've got three things. And I said, okay, I'd take take New York, Mm. I'd give it an LA climate, and I'd have Old Trafford. In the where middle. Central Park is. Where Central Park is. <laughs> and that'll do me. That's a great way to leave it. David Khan, thank you for being on a pint with Shawnee B. And the best of luck in your retirement. Oh. And by the way, it's great because I got out ahead of you. Oh, you beat me <laughs> by 10 years. Good. Look after yourself. God bless you. Through the conversation. Quickly, the theme music. All this, all this, all this. Thirty-seven years, basically. Thirty-six of them I was working with Mike Hannett. Oh, okay. So, right. so most of this interview is his. I mean, dear me, I, I was his best man and he was my best man. And if I didn't mention him, dear me, that's the end of it. Basically, we go back to when we were eleven. Excellent. We met at school, and uh, we're still great friends today.